this is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share where she finds strength through everyday challenges. Today's Everyday Leader will teach us a valuable lesson that life isn't about what happens to you, but it's how you react to it. She is a true survivor that inspires all of us. Trisha Milto is my guest today. Everyday Leaders, 50 and 50, show five starts now. Welcome to the program, Trisha. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am so excited for this interview. You have no idea. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. So we've got tissues here, too. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, I want to start this program. I always try to take people back to where we started mm-hmm. in fifth grade, mm-hmm. Southwest Elementary School. Right. <laughs> I remember John Settles being the, you know, the guard that gets everybody across the street and Sean Blanks and... <laughs> That's and, right. <laughs> and you lived right across the street from the elementary school. That's so. right. I did. Yep. So fun. We built floats in your garage and many, many memories. Yes, there are many memories. Many memories. Some we won't talk about today. Yeah. But. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but one of the things, as I was going through my show and thinking of all the people that I wanted to have, you were right at the top of the list because you've experienced so many things in your life. And I sent you a bunch of questions to kind of think about. Yes. But things that I didn't put on there that I want to help people understand about you is you started becoming a leader way back in your life as you were an Indy 500 princess. Mm-hmm. Yes, I yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. So we can, that year was 19, 19 yeah. Uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. It was yeah. in the 1900s. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, and that experience, what did, what did that teach you? Because you were so young and, and really going after kind of like, that's a dream for every girl in Indiana mm-hmm. to say, wow, an Indy 500 princess, that's a once in a lifetime event. It was, it was a great experience. It actually was a little bit out of my comfort zone. My mom actually signed me up to, um, to do that, to participate. And we had to go through days a day of interviewing, and I believe at that time there was about 500 girls that went through. And of course, I'm just like, there is no way. And um, when I made it, it was it was really a, a very cool thing to do, and I really didn't enjoy it. But like I said, it was way outside my comfort zone. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, how many girls were in the court? There were 33 girls that made it. Yeah. And then um, they did have a queen's ball, and there was a queen. Um, elected, but I was still just in the court. Yeah, that's which was good too. So cool. So you got all the swag from what, what from clothing to mm-hmm. yeah to be. Um, we had a host family, and they were responsible for taking us wherever we needed to go in a pace car. So it, it was really kind of cool. I mean, you felt like royalty. Mm-hmm. So it was a good time. So it's memories now that you're connected to that experience every year when the Indy 500 runs. Right. I am. Yes. And honestly, um, I don't really think about it. I mean, it comes across my mind, but um, every other day of the year, I don't really think much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now when we think about Memorial Day weekend, we'll think about Trisha Milton. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the 1900s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The 19, yeah, yeah, later 1900s. Yes, yes. I think it was 1990, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, so. So cool, so cool. 
Well, um, from that experience, then, you know, you got married mm -hmm. to a great guy, mm -hmm. and you guys own a, a family business. Mm -hmm. And yes. here on the south side, it's the Melto Cleaners. If, if those of you that are listening, um, in Indianapolis, we have a cleaning company, uh, very popular and very well-known, very well-respected. So they have been consistent in, in developing kind of that business throughout the years. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's been great. It's been great to kind of watch you and, and go through your journey of life with you. We were in each other's weddings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we've got a lot of stories that we could share off the air. <clears throat> but I do want to talk about some things. The purpose of Trisha and her journey is she has gone through a lot of challenges. And I feel the things that she can share with us will help so many people just on how she copes through life. Because it is, like the intro said, you have been dealt a lot of things. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it isn't about, you know, you can always say, gosh, I'm, I'm fearful. I'm not sure what's going to happen next, mm -hmm. right? Right. <clears throat> but you have been able to say, here's how I'm going to deal with it. Mm -hmm. and, and it's been a hard road. Yes, it has. And every day... You may get a different challenge. You may get something new mm -hmm. that you haven't experienced. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to help people understand what it is, what what happened, mm -hmm. right? Right. And, and let's take people through the journey that don't know you or don't know your story. Okay. Um, well, it all started in 1992. I married my high school sweetheart, Phil. And in 1994, we had our first son, Nathan. And then in 1996, we had our second son, Nicholas. And then in 1997, we had our son, PJ. And as far as we knew, we were all healthy, happy, you know, living the all-American dream. And it's really abruptly came to a halt when we found out Nathan was having some difficulties. Um, our first signs of difficulties were... He was not meeting his milestones, and he was starting to have problems with his vision. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, and it's apparent, you know, the thoughts of, well, what do we do, mm -hmm. right? And, mm -hmm. and so what did you do? Oh, well, we um, started talking to different doctors. You know, at first, I mean, not meeting milestones, I could deal with that. You know, we just work harder, and, and then the vision was a little bit tougher because um, we knew this could be difficult. You know, my biggest thing was he's not going to drive, you know, all these things just start going through your head about, you know, his future. Mm -hmm. And so we just started trying to research what was going on. And, um, Phil at that point just started going across the internet. And at that time, the internet wasn't what it is today. Mm -hmm. I mean, to in, in email wasn't what it is today. You think about Windows 95, right? That's when the computer kind of came onto the scene. Right. And so you didn't have access to everything that we have access to today. So it was really difficult to try to find somebody to try and help us. So um, it really all started with a neurologist. And we started giving him things that were going on in, in, with Nathan. Like I said, the milestones, the site. He started having some... Um, physical things like the towel when I was drying them off out of the bathtub hurt um haircuts hurt and I mean so there were just different things that started coming up and so we saw the neurologist first and it was the first time we'd ever heard the word Batten disease spoke mm -hmm. I mean we never heard it we didn't know what it was about and he just said you know it sounds like the symptoms sound like it could be that but he's a four-year-old he's very active and I don't really think that's what it is. So, of course, 
being a parent, you go home and get on the internet and start researching what is Batten disease, and it's devastating. Um, his life expectancy would be 10 to 12. He would start having seizures, and he would lose his sight, and he would lose his ability to walk, talk, feed himself, and basically would be bedridden, and then it would take his life. So we were devastated, and um, but we kept thinking, well, he said he doesn't really think that's what he has. And at the time, the only way that they could really diagnose it was through a skin biopsy. And so they took a um, skin punch, and they biopsied it, and it came back negative mm-hmm. for Batten's disease. So mm-hmm. we were like, Shoo. we got through that. And But then his symptoms continued to get worse. And so the other way we knew he could be tested was through um, an, a conjunctive uh, skin biopsy, which they took from his um, eyelid. Mm-hmm. And they had gone in to see how bad his vision really was. Mm-hmm. And then at the point that they did that, um, we went ahead and had that, that skin punch done. And so when we got the results of that, it came back positive battens. And, I mean, this took over... Gosh, it took over almost two years to get to this point to try to figure this out. So what did you, during that time? Well, you just you just move on. During I mean, that you, two years, you just think, well, it, if it is, you know, here's a couple of choices, right? Here's option A, here's option B. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, to thinking back, I think we just carried on. I mean, we had two other children besides Nathan, and... You know, they were busy, thank goodness. I mean, Nathan was playing basketball at the YMCA, and he was playing soccer at Center Grove Soccer. And the other, Nick, our second, was too. And so we stayed busy, and we can, but we continued. I mean, Phil was on a mission. Mm-hmm. And um, finally found, you know, finally got our answers. You know, not necessarily answers we wanted, but so he came back positive for battens, and then we just moved on from there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so, um, and I've watched you kind of go through this. Mm -hmm. And so I personally, I know the stress that that brings on. Mm -hmm. And when you found out it was Batten's. Mm -hmm. So the next thing was, how are we going to kind of cope through, you know, putting a limit, those limiting beliefs that you have and putting those fears in check Mm -hmm. to say, all right, he's this age. And now you always think about, right, mm-hmm. how many years did they say the life expectancy is? Right. And what will that look like? And how can we help him? Right. And that's what I did. I just kept thinking, you know, how much time do I have? And how are we going to get this done? And what do we need to do? And honestly, in the beginning and through a majority of it, you know, Phil and I weren't very accepting of the news. And we weren't going to sit back and just let it happen. Um, our goal at that time, too, and I think that's where my mind went a lot. We just wanted to find a cure. Mm-hmm. At the time, there was no cure. There was no treatment. There was no um, known research. And so we were just like, you know, a lot of people don't have the wherewithal to take it on, and which is fine. And that's where we feel like God kind of took control. And God basically set us up for this mm-hmm. um, because, Honestly, the disease, I carry a defective gene, Phil carries a defective gene, and it creates the disease when it comes together. And there were 300 cases in the world when Nathan was diagnosed, and it's very rare. And for two people to meet and for this to happen, it's very rare. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, Phil and I, thank goodness, we are great partners, um, and God set us up for this because his form of business was, was um, managing people, and getting people together and 
you know, pitching his ideas to presidents, vice presidents of companies, and mine was Gatorade. So I was used to the fundraising and all that. So it really came together. And so when we found out Nathan was sick, it was like, okay, we are, we're fixing this. Mm -hmm. We're not sitting back. We're not crying. We shed plenty of tears, but um, we just wanted to know what we were going to do, make it better. Mm -hmm. And so basically that's where our minds went also. And, you know, like I said, Phil was a business side. He kind of took that role. I, I always said I raised the kids. You know, he did the business, I raised the kids, and so we just moved forward. Mm-hmm. So, Well, that's what leaders, that's what real leaders do. Mm-hmm. You just step back and you say, here are a couple of options, but this is what we know we have to do, mm-hmm. right? And you just trudge it on and, and you design the path. It's designing your life to be what you need it to be right. at the time. Right, right. So I remember going back, you know, all the fundraisers, Mm-hmm. We talk about the circus and mm-hmm. the walks and all of the things that you guys crafted mm-hmm. to be able to raise money and to find a, a, an answer and to do research. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that happened for quite a few years. And then and then what happened? Well, several years. Well, Nathan's Battle, um, Phil started Nathan's Battle Foundation. And that's when we really started to fundraise to try to find, to have money to, to um, try to fund whatever research or whatever treatment came about. Um, so he built that and he was on a mission to find people out there that knew anything about Batten's doctors, researchers. And so we did lots of fundraisers and honestly, we had so many, so such a great support team, um, being in growing up here, um, and having the people around us that we had and having the business. So people knew the name, we couldn't have done this without that support. I mean, People just stepped up and had all kinds of fundraisers. I mean, I had we had kids selling lemonade. We had, like you said, walks, motorcycle rides, everything you could think of, concerts, and it was just, just an unbelievable amount of support. Mm-hmm. And um, so, in the meantime, in our minds, um, we're still thinking that we have two more kids. Uh, Nathan had it. Nicholas had kind of started hitting the milestone of when the. Um, when the um, side the side effects start kicking in, mm-hmm. you know, when you start losing your vision or when you start, a lot of these kids start with seizures. So we kind of felt comfortable with Nicholas, and they kept wanting us to have PJ tested. And I was like, you know, I'm good right now. Let me handle Nathan. PJ's doing okay. You know, um, let me let me just take this all in. Mm-hmm. And so finally, we. Um, but you guys had a. You had some, um, one of the news stations, right? They right. did a story. Right. We were on 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I was thinking at this time. They wanted us to have PJ tested and it be revealed on 48 hours. And, you know, like I said, in the moment, we were ready to do anything. I mean, we'd let anybody interview us about anything. Now, looking back, I'm like, what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. Like, how could I let these people into my home and go through all this? But it helped us because mm-hmm. it did raise so much awareness. But... So, yeah, we had PJ tested on 48 hours, and he came back positive. So um, there is one bit of footage where at the very end I say, you know, God just couldn't do this to us twice. And, you know, he's more powerful than anybody. He knew that this is this would be okay. You know, and that's what I always say. I said, you know, I'm just honored that he, that God thinks of us so much that he would give us these angels, you know, and for us to take care of them. Because 
we're going to take care of him. Yep. So, and so, yes, PJ was diagnosed and he was positive for battens also. So now you have two kids that are diagnosed with battens. Yes. And, and so, so Phil started this campaign, right? So you had this money for research Mm -hmm. and as leaders, you guys just continued to take charge. Yes. And, and learning through, you know, maybe you need to go a different route or you need to find a new doctor and never letting that fear of, you know, not getting the right answer. Mm-hmm. You continued to push and push and push. Right. And so how, how tell us about when, when you got connected to Cornell. Well, um, Phil had heard about a gene therapist that was at, at Cornell, and his name was Dr. Crystal. And he was world-renowned, and um, Phil just wanted to see if he would be interested in taking on a clinical trial for Batten's. And so I can just remember um, we were going to make a trip to New York with some friends, and so he contacted Dr. Crystal's office and said, you know, I'd like to meet with him. And I'm not exactly for sure how many minutes it was. They said, I think it was close to seven. You have seven minutes to go in and speak with Dr. Crystal. Wow. And so um, Phil went in after we stood outside the Today Show. And uh, he decided, I mean, he went into his meeting with Dr. Crystal and Dr. Crystal was like, you know, he listened to Phil's pitch, you know, Phil had just been working so hard on this and trying to get people together. I mean, because some research was being done by researchers and areas, but people don't generally like to share their information because it's their information. And if it's going to go anywhere, they want it to be under their name. Right. So, um, he took all of his information and pitched it to Dr. Crystal and said, what do you think? And that he said, you know, I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many we- he, I think he said he'll get back to him a couple weeks. And in 48 hours, Dr. Crystal called back and said, I'm going to do it. Wow. I want to do it. And, um, I think he really ha- liked Phil. Phil's very driven mm-hmm. and, um, he was going to get this done. You know, whether Dr. Crystal wanted to be a part of it or not, we were going to get it done. So, that's where he came in, and that's where Cornell came in. We ended up having a clinical trial at Cornell under the lead of Dr. Crystal. Mm-hmm. So amazing to kind of to understand, right? You were at one point here in Indiana, mm-hmm. and all you had to do now was get to that next step and get to New York and find the right find the right doctor. Mm-hmm. And, and you pitched it, right. Phil pitched it, and mm-hmm. then it, it kind of became reality. And so now you're on this train of we have our boys the ability to get them into this program Mm -hmm. and now there's new hope right there's new hope but there's also a time frame Mm -hmm. you know at this point Nathan's probably I don't know six Mm -hmm. and PJ's four and you know life expectancy is 10 to 12 and I mean you just feel like you are just in a rush I mean you have very little time and generally when you go to clinical trial it takes a while to get there Mm -hmm. I mean in the amount of the amount of time that Phil was able to do this in is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then you have to go through, you know, finding the kids that are eligible. We, I mean, our kids weren't even guaranteed to be in the clinical trial. We had to go through the same process all the other kids did in order to be accepted into the clinical trial. And at that time there were just, again, just 300 Mm -hmm. cases. Right. And we were going to take 10 in our clinical trial. Mm -hmm. So, um, we made a trip to Cornell with both kids and, you know, went through the process of having them checked out by the team and they got, they got, um, accepted into it. I mean, even though we financed it, we raised close to $6 million Wow! and we pretty much paid for it, but, um, it's, it's considered a gift. It's not considered a way in 
Um, so we just, like I said, had to go through the same process all the other kids did too. Wow. And so how long, when you got into the clinical trial, how long was that process? To get them to surgery? Yeah. You know, I can't. It was. I mean, it couldn't have been more than maybe a couple years yeah. because they really had to figure out how they were going to deliver it mm-hmm. and how the treatment, the treatment was, um, intracranial. And so we had to figure out how we were going to deliver this, what kind of, it's a missing enzyme. And so we had to, they had to figure out, you know, how are you going to get this in these kids? Mm -hmm. And so that took some time. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, you know, they finally, I can't, that's terrible. I can't remember what years they both went through it. I mean, it's a blur at this point, but, um, they, they, Nathan went first and what they did is they did go intracranial. They put him like in a halo and there were six locations and they went down into the brain and delivered and then they pulled up and then they delivered six more times so they had 12 12 delivery points Mm -hmm. so and we were in the hospital um nathan was in the hospital for nine days kids are so resilient Mm -hmm. i mean it's just unbelievable to think what he went through and this is all in new york Mm -hmm. so we were away from home and um, we brought nathan home and then about a month later, we went back and did the whole thing over with PJ. Mm-hmm. And PJ ended up staying a little bit longer because he got really sick from the anesthesia. But, I mean, honestly, it was unbelievable how quickly they bounced back from brain surgery. Wow. And, you know, I have to say in all of this, too, we have a healthy kid at home. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's probably been one of the biggest challenges for us, too. You've got a family where you have sick kids and you have healthy kids. And, um, and actually in the meantime of all of this, we had a fourth child. So, um, we were dealing with two healthy kids, <laughs> one of them, an infant. And, um, it's hard, it's yeah. hard to parent two separate groups or, you know, healthy, not healthy and try to do the best you can in both areas. Mm-hmm. So, well, your kids are amazing. You know, Nick is, is just here he goes on his life, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's an adult now. Right. And and Joey's just growing up like a weed. Right. And passionate about sports and mm-hmm. and both your kids. You know, they have learned so many lessons just by watching your you mm-hmm. and, and Phil as parents to mm-hmm. model. We talk about all these leadership principles about who do you model, who do you look up to, who are your mentors. Mm-hmm. And those are people that have gone the road before you, that have helped you, that have, you know, tried to maybe inspire you mm-hmm. to get there. And so your kids have a great foundation for that because you persevere. Mm-hmm. You don't give up. You just go, 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 mm-hmm. and you find the answers. Right. And, you know, if I could teach my kids any lesson, I mean, that would be the, the biggest one. Um, you know, in the moment of it all, I know Nick was not happy about it. I mean, he was the kid in the middle, yep. you know, and and it was hard for him. Mm-hmm. And I always said, one of these days, he's going to grow up to be a very, very neat adult. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it, you know, and we've had our struggles and it's been hard for him, mm-hmm. as you can imagine with any kid. And um, he's going to be 22 this weekend. And he is just awesome. You know, just an awesome kid. Yep. And, you know, he could have been just terrible mm-hmm. because, you know, we were so occupied with Nathan and PJ, mm-hmm. but he, he persevered. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, you know, if he could take anything from watching Phil and I, I hope that he, he understands the love and the commitment that we had for our family. Yep. Well, I guarantee he does. 
I guarantee he does because your friends see it. Mm -hmm. Your kids have just been in that environment. When you're in in an environment for a period of time, right, it just becomes, that's what you know. Mm -hmm. And then when they go outside, so Nick's now experiencing the world, Mm -hmm. right? He's been to college. He's been away from home. Right. So being able to appreciate, Mm -hmm. you know, other people that he meets and says, he had such great influence of leadership. Mm-hmm. I hope he gets that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, <laughs> I don't know. I hope he does. I think he does. And and as he matures, I think he understands it even more. Yeah. You know, when you're, you know, 10, 12, 13, it's hard to understand that. Well, kids but. think it's all about them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you are not giving me what I need. Mm-hmm. And so now, hopefully, you know, and I know that this is true, but realizing that you guys have really put your life aside mm-hmm. yes and and, and traded hard. that off really for the things that you knew you had to do right and you know he likes to throw it back to me now that well you were never there you were home with Nathan and PJ it's been difficult yep. you know Phil and I've had to split a lot you know he did the sports and took Nick where he needed to go and I stayed home because mm-hmm. we had two sick kids and a baby mm-hmm. and that's hard you know and and as a mom that was hard to go through it too, because I wanted to be with him more than anything, mm-hmm. but it just, our lives didn't allow for it at that time. You gave up a lot yeah, for the life that you knew that you had to support. Right. As a and parent. you know, he had Phil, mm-hmm. you know, and they had great times together and you know, we tried, we tried our very best to do the best we could. So how do you, how do you deal with your stress? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, People always tell me out in public, you look so great and you're handling this so well. And I'm like, well, I'm glad there's no cameras in my house (laughs) (laughs) because I cry a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, you know, I, if I didn't have my faith, you know, I couldn't do this. Um, You know, that's what gets you out of bed in the morning Mm -hmm. and your other kids, your healthy kids. And you just pull from things that make you happy and just know that I am the voice for these kids Mm -hmm. and that is my job and that I can't get hung up in the stress of all of it. Um, sorry. It's okay. (laughs) You just do what you have to do, you know, in any, you know, as a parent, you just do it. You have no choice. And so I just, you know, like I said, I cry a lot. I have great friends. I have great, um, parents, and like I said, Phil and I were a great support team. We always used to say, you know, when he's up, I'm down. Mm-hmm. And when I'm down, he's up. And, um, or the, I don't know if I just said the same thing. <laughs> Opposite. <laughs> you know, that takes a toll on you. Oh, it does. And, you know, just the mere fact that our marriage stayed together mm-hmm. is another great, I mean, you know, I think we should be proud of that. You know, we've watched families with these kids with battens. We've watched, ter- you know, heard or seen or watch terrible things happen. You know, it's it's not easy. No, it's not easy. Um, you know, Phil and I have been married 25 years. We've been together 33. And we just did it, you know. And, um, but yeah, stress is, actually, it's really not an option, yeah. you know. But it's how you deal with it. You know, I kind of opened the show with it's, it's what life brings you, but it's how you've reacted to it. Mm-hmm. You could have gone a whole different direction, right? It could have torn your family apart, and it could have torn your marriage apart. Right. And you could you could be looking at a whole different set of problems. Right, but, right. Um, but you guys overcame. Mm-hmm. And honestly, um, 
I have to say, with the clinical trial, um, Nathan is now 23, mm-hmm. and PJ's 20, and as you can see, they've outlived lived their life expectancy. And um, I also like to say in that that we've shown them so much love. You know, they're in our home. They're both bedridden now. They both have trachs. They're both on ventilators at night. Um, they have, we have nurses during the day, but they are loved. I mean, we I go back there throughout the day, and even though nurses are in the house, we go back, we touch, we kiss, we hug, we we do. You know, and I honestly feel like that's a big part of why they're still here also. Yep. You know, and I have to give thanks to my nurses because, you know, everybody has just taken these kids in like they're their own. Mm-hmm. Well, they are. I, I know I talked to you a little bit about this before the show, but I want you, I think this is so important because we talk about the things that, you know, when kids are sick or they can't see or they can't hear, and your kids have had more challenges than even that. Mm-hmm. But you brought something into their life a long time ago, mm-hmm. and you put headphones on them. Yeah. Oh, they listen to music all the time. From, from when they were really little, you connected to that, that that would keep them in the world, that mm-hmm. would keep them present. And mm-hmm. so movies and and music and just right. that, that therapy. Right. I actually had forgotten until you mentioned that. Um, when they were babies in the nursery, I played lullaby music through the night. And then um, when Nathan and PJ both got in wheelchairs, I used to have the little pillow speakers and I put them in their headrest and we played music all the time in their headrest and it just had a calming effect on them mm-hmm. and I like to sing to them I don't know that they like to hear it <laughs> but I sing to them and um we and then when Nathan started losing his eyesight it helped me he used to get his days and nights mixed up mm-hmm. and so I had this routine that during the day we had videos and um and then starting at like 11 o'clock, we had music. And I still do that to this day. I mean, at about 11 o'clock, the lullaby music comes on, and that's to let them know it's time to sleep, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, yeah, they still really enjoy their music. I mean, it plays all night long, and we listen to videos most of the day. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much their life, you know. And then the nurses back there talking and laughing and singing. They, most of my nurses like to sing, too. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think they like it. <laughs> At this point, they don't have a choice. <laughs> um, so who inspires you? Who gets you through? And, and I know this answer, but I want you to tell our listeners who has inspired you through music. Um, I, I have come across a really great friend. We had some concerts um, early on, and his name's Mark Schultz. He's a Christian artist. And um, he had a song called He's My Son. And it's really worth listening to. A friend of mine had said one day um, that she'd heard the song and wanted me to listen to it. And so I went to a Christian bookstore and I tried to listen to it in their store. And that lasted all of maybe one minute. And so I bought it and went to my van out in the parking lot and played it and just sat in the back of my van and just bawled. Um, it it kind of just talks about a parent's prayer, you know, and a um, if I could take his place, you know, and it just said our story. And so I was on a mission to meet this guy. And so I found out he was going to be doing a concert in Southern Indiana. And so basically I waited in his line to get his autograph. And when I got up there, I just did my, I just spewed <laughs> that this is what's going on. We're trying to have fundraisers. Do you mind? And he said, get in contact with this person and I will do it. And so since then, which has been several years, 
Um, he's done, I think he's done three concerts now, but um, we still keep in touch to this day. And I'm, you know, close to his wife now, and we he's got three kids of his own now. And so it's just been really neat to have that support because, like, you know, music has been a big part. I do love music. It speaks to my soul. And um, that's probably another coping I do like to listen just for the calming of it. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's been, he's been a great friend. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. It's an amazing story because people always talk about a song mm-hmm. or something that they, that gets them through, mm-hmm. you know, so listening to this song, mm-hmm. when you know that maybe things you've, you've had an emergency call to Riley mm-hmm. or, or, you know, sometimes now that the kids are older, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Riley's maybe not always the answer because they're more adult, mm-hmm. right? In the age group. And so you got to have, try to figure out how to deal with those and, and develop strategies now to kind of cope the next phase of their life. Right. And that's, that is the phase of the life that we're in right now. And it's very difficult. I mean, you get so comfortable in the environment that you're in at Riley and then they turn 18 and then all of a sudden nobody wants to see them anymore. You know, they're too old so we've been fighting that, and, you know, that's a that's a full-time job in itself, mm-hmm. just trying to, you know, keep them healthy, keep them into the doctors and making sure they're being seen. So I'm fighting it yeah. tooth and nail. Well, you're a huge, you know, as a, a, a leader in being an advocate, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so hopefully you can teach the world mm-hmm. what that's like now, moving from a child that has this kind of term limit Mm -hmm. on their life right Mm -hmm. you've done everything to keep them stable Mm -hmm. and to keep them consistent and now as they grow into adults um they're you don't have any answers you don't know what what this can develop into right right and I think that's part of the reason why they're kind of trying to move us on because they don't know either Mm -hmm. there is no there is no book there is no research I mean Nate like I said Nathan Nathan is the oldest living late infantile kid so um, nobody's paved the way, you know, Nathan's paving the way. And so it's, it's hard, you know, and then, you know, without answers, then that's when I start getting scared because it's, it's hard, you know, and, and one really hard thing for me is when doctors don't know what to say, they say it's the progression of the disease and this is just how it's going to be. That's not good enough for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the same thing that got us through in the beginning of the diagnosis, you know, that's not a good enough answer. You know, we have had a doctor ask us one time before, you know, what do you want from me? And Phil said, I want you to act like this is your kid. And I want you to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't a nine to five kind of thing. You know, you need to spend some extra time researching this and help us try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So now I'm just, like I said, continuing to fight to try to keep these kids with the people that have been with them from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's so, so critical. Mm-hmm. So now you haven't mentioned anything about what you really love and what takes your mind off of things. We know music, but horses are mm-hmm. a big, that's just a, a, a big part of your life. It is. I mean, I, I love horses. There's just something about being around them. Um, and I don't necessarily even have to ride them. I mean, I can go to a barn and I can groom and I can clean a stall and it just takes me away. Mm-hmm. You know, it just gives me time to breathe. And um, one thing I've kind of gotten involved in, you know, I've been home for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get isolated. Um, your friends are moving on. You know, their kids are graduating. They're moving on. They're empty nesters. They go out to dinner. They go on vacations. And 
we just can't do that. I mean, Phil and I independently vacation with our kids. And um, so recently I thought, you know, I need to get out. I need to start making some other friends. And so, um, and I knew horses, I wanted it to be something with horses. And then I didn't know what else was going to be involved, but somebody had um, talked about a group called Agape, which is a therapeutic riding center. And um, you work with horses and kids with disabilities. And I'm like, I couldn't pick a better thing Mm -hmm. to volunteer at. Um, I go just one day a week for three hours and I get to help kids and I get to be around horses. And it's very fulfilling for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, it does, it just lets me get away And then also, you know, I've been able to help them brainstorm in some ways to figure out how it's best for a certain rider to ride a horse. You know, what kind of equipment could we use to make this more comfortable for the individual? And it's, it's really helped me a lot. Yeah. So I think that's so important because your life has just been this, it's really a legacy. You know, when you pass on, people will remember the Miltos as fighters. Mm -hmm. I hope, I mean, I really do. Um, we've tried, yeah. you know, we're parents. We've just tried to do the best that we can. Yep. And, you know, Phil and I were talking about this last night. We were talking about, you know, who has been, who have we learned the, the lesson from yep. the most or who, and honestly, um, Nathan has been the person we have looked at the most for teaching us this lesson, his perseverance, his ability to fight. Um, you know, we've just taken our lead from him. If he, you know, can fight and he can continue on, we're going to fight with him, you know, and he just kind of, you know, taught us. And he taught us, too, that especially me, life was just so grand for him. You know, he was just so laid back and and um, it just kind of this whole situation actually has taught us, you know, don't sweat the big things. You know, don't be so worried about the big things. You know, everybody wants to, you know, make money, you know have a bigger house, do this, you know, you're always looking for something grander when really what you need is right in front of you, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, we, that's really been a big lesson for us. That's amazing. I'm going to cry now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, so as, as you measure, you know, everything else in your life and you're helping others, um, I just, it's so special that we're connected, that you're such a special person in my life. And you, I look up to you in so many ways. Thank you. And um, I, I just, I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast, because I know throughout what I've learned in the, in the last few shows, you know, it really does make a difference. Mm-hmm. And you are going to reach people. You are going to be able to tell the story and they're going to be so encouraged that not so. to give up. Right. Right. Not right. to give up and don't sweat the small stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can cope. you got to find ways to cope right. um, with things that are happening. Right. And, you know, I everybody has something, you know. And even though mine seems, you know, life-changing and big, I still have empathy for those. I mean, somebody might not have that big of a of an issue or a problem, but, but it means something. It's worth something. And, and reach out. You know, if you need help or you need somebody, I mean, no matter how big or small, you know, you can get through it. And you just got to, you know, be strong mm-hmm. and, you know, persevere. Besides Phil, and I know it, it, people, some people talk about these the five people, right, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. five to ten people that are around them that really have helped them just 
persevere and, and consistently get through. And, and they may be different people. Mm-hmm. You know, I know your, your dad is a, it's a great mentor right. to you. Right. You know, my dad, my mom, um, in separate ways, yeah. you know, yep. um, my dad has just got this real calming effect and everything's just going to be all right, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what you need to hear. You know, you're doing what you need to do. You're doing a great job. And, um, and then, you know, I've got my mom and my mom's just a spitfire, you yep, know, she you sure know. is. She kind of teaches you the, you know, don't give up, you know, yep. you got to keep going. We'll, you know, we'll figure this out. And she's very loving and she loves the boys and, you know, she comes in and, you know, just lights up the room, mm-hmm. you know, and that's one thing about Nathan and PJ is we still get smiles. And I mean, that's huge for us. And so, you know, they could be laying there asleep and my mom will walk in and it's just like their eyes pop open, you know, and they just know voices. They know who's there. And the nurses always say that to me too, because they'll be sound asleep and I'll walk in and I'll be talking and they're like, yeah, your mom's here. Yeah. (laughs) Cause they haven't responded to them, but mom walks in and yep, they know it's me. So yeah. But yeah, I've had, you know, there are, there are several people that have held us up. Um, so I can't really, just pick one, you know, five. Yeah, there are but it's several. about your, you know, it's about your level of support, mm-hmm. right? And knowing that, and you've said it so many times, but just helping people understand, like, it, you just can't get through something by yourself. Mm-hmm. You've got to reach out. You've got to develop a real system mm-hmm. that's going to yeah. work because without your family, without your nursing mm-hmm. team, right? It's right. a team approach. Right. And, and that's whether it's a big problem or a small problem. Right, right. Yeah, you just have to ask. Just have to ask. Yeah, and that was hard for me in the beginning Mm because they are my kids, they're my babies, and I'm going to take care of them. So it did take me quite a while to let go of some of the responsibility. I mean, I even had problems letting go with the nurses in the house. And I finally, after how many years, (laughs) I finally, you know, come to the conclusion I've got, you've got to accept the help, you know. And I had to start accepting it more, too, when, you know, Nathan and Joey needed me. Right. You know, and so... um, just got to got to do it. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story. What a survivor. Oh, thank you. Love you to death, Trish. Oh, thank you. We're uh here we go. <laughs> Life is a journey, right? It is a journey. Yep. So, it's keep on keeping on. That's right. Yep. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. I'll post some things about Nathan's battle. Okay. And hopefully, you know, we can raise some more money, raise awareness uh, for such an important cause. Right. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for joining me this week on Everyday Leaders 50 and 50. You won't want to miss next week's show, which is show six of 50 and 50. Have you ever snapped your fingers? My guest will teach us a method of snap and how this allows him to live his life with success. When you subscribe to Everyday Leaders in Apple iTunes or for Android in the Google Play Store, You can receive automatic notifications each week when my new shows release. Join me, Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show six starts February 25th.